This podcast is brought to you by Premiere, the UK's leading Christian media organisation. As we approach the end of our financial year, we want to remind you that podcasts like this are only possible due to the generosity of supporters like you. You could help reach millions of people throughout the year through shows just like this. Make your best gift today at premierchristianradio.plus. I just feel like that's my mission with my music is to help people to understand that God sees them, that God knows them, that God wants that personal relationship with each and every one of us. The Profile. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. Hello and welcome to The Profile here on Premier Christian Radio. I'm Rachel Matthews. The Profile is the show where we sit down with a well-known Christian to hear more about their life, their faith and their ministry. It is brought to you in association with the UK's leading Christian magazine, Premier Christianity. The monthly title features more interviews just like this one, the latest news, reviews, columnists and more. To request a free sample copy of the latest issue, visit premierchristianity.com forward slash free sample. Today on the show, I'm speaking to Sarah Kroger, a singer-songwriter whose love for music was sparked at a young age, but the impact of bullying and her struggle with anxiety and shyness hid away her musical talents for many years. When she met Jesus in an intimate encounter through worship at a youth conference, everything changed. Realising that music was a gift she desired to give back to the Lord, Sarah began exploring worship leading from then on. Sarah's new album Light is her first album released through a label and enabled her to experience new facets of the Christian music community. Whereas her previous albums were crafted alongside Catholic writers, Light got Sarah collaborating with many others too. I began by asking Sarah, when did she first realise she could sing? Well, my mom would say uh, very early on, she used to brag to all her friends that I could match pitch when I was like 18 months old or something like that. Um, But I always, always had a love for singing. I grew up in a very musical household. Both of my parents were involved in music ministry from the time that I was born. So we were always at church, always in children's choir, taking piano lessons, which I hated, but am very grateful for now just very musical household. And so music was always a part of my life. And I remember uh, like when I was in kindergarten, uh, my parents said that I got a note sent home from school and the the teacher wasn't complaining about me. She was like, Sarah's doing great academically, but she will not stop singing in class and it's distracting the students. So I think it's just always been in me. Like I can't, I can't help but sing and I love, I love it. So I think I've always loved singing, but it really wasn't until I was in high school that I discovered that it was a gift and that that meant that I uh, kind of had to do something, make a decision about how I was going to share that gift. So you knew you loved singing and you had that gift, but when did you first become aware of God and, and have a relationship with him? Yeah, so it was really at a high school youth conference. Um, I went to this huge conference is a couple thousand people. I had never been to anything like that before. I had never heard contemporary worship before. I grew up Catholic and um, in a very traditional kind of church. And so 
I had never heard music like that. And I remember experiencing my first like worship experience. And it the best way that I know how to describe it is it felt like um, this language that was strangely familiar, but brand new to me. And it became the language through which I could communicate with God and really discovered that Jesus was this real person who wanted a real relationship with me, that it wasn't just about the rules and the regulations and checking off a box of going to church on Sunday. It was about someone who wanted a relationship with me and who uh, who cared about my life, who cared about the decisions that I was making and what I was doing. And, um, and so that changed everything for me. I've never looked back from that conference. And Leading up to that point, I, I kind of had this idea that I had a gift and uh, for music, and I was told that by different people, but I was terrified of singing in front of people, like absolutely terrified, would not do it to save my life. I was bullied a lot in elementary school. I think that was a huge part of it is just I, I knew, I, I don't think I could have articulated this at the time. I knew that it was a gift and I wanted to protect it. Um, from that, from being torn down, from being uh, like like I had been bullied before. And so I kind of hid it for many, many years. And after that conference, um, there was a youth leader on that retreat that said to uh, the group, but it was as if he was speaking right to me. He said, if you have a gift from God and you're not using it, you're denying the glory of God within you. And I felt like an arrow pierced my heart. I felt like God was speaking directly to me. Like you, I've given you this gift for a reason and I'm asking you to use it. And so I was convicted from that moment, even though I was terrified, I, uh, I started going back to my church and singing on Sundays. And I, when I first started, I sounded like a dying dog, like, like literally like just terrible. I was just, I was so scared, like from head to toe, I was like clutching and just so terrified but I knew that God had given me a gift for a reason and I, and I wanted to continue to show up and say yes. And so through time and uh, just showing up continually and saying yes continually, he gave me the courage that I needed to continue doing that. And so, yeah, just slowly but surely started gaining courage and uh, led worship uh, at different churches throughout that time. So, yeah. And you mentioned there about being bullied, which I'm I'm guessing was really, really hard to come back from. That's not easy, is it, to recover from. Was faith part of your recovery? Were you able to lean into God to help you kind of push through past that? Yeah, definitely. I think something that's so fascinating to me, uh, that's been fascinating on my journey, is how something that, like a mean kid, that says something to you, uh, that that can stick with you your entire life if you're not careful. And for me, that was definitely the case. And, and so in the last couple of years in particular, I've been on a very um, intentional journey of rediscovering, rerouting myself in my identity as a beloved daughter of God. Because I realized, um, I want to say there was a point about six years ago, I read this book called Life of the Beloved uh, by Henry Nowen. And I remember reading that book and literally something changing inside me. I realized I had rooted myself in those lies. I had believed those things for years that the mean kids had said to me and different things that I, you know, had picked up along the journey. We always pick up these different lies and lies of society or different voices of negativity that just kind of like play in our heads without us stopping. Like I, I call it the negative self-talk tape loop um, that we just perpetuate in our heads without stopping it. We say things to ourselves that 
if someone else said them to us, they would no longer be our friends. It, like we would no longer associate with them. And yet we say negative things to ourselves so easily without stopping it. And uh, that was the point for me where I realized this is a, a cycle that I'm in that I need to break free from. And so uh, just pr- through prayer, through guidance, through spiritual direction, through uh, going to a therapist, like literally all of these pieces that I had in place that the Lord put into place, uh, I was able to find freedom in that. And I am happy to say that I'm on the other side of that. There's definitely times where I still have to stop myself and and say, no, you're not those things anymore. We're, we're in a new season. We're owning our belovedness. We're owning um, the true identity of who you are and, and walking in that freedom. And so it's definitely been an, an intentional journey. And I have to say that um, it took me a long time to find freedom from that. But the Lord has been so patient through it all. You own your fear and all your self-loathing You own the voices inside of your head You own the shame and reproach of your failure It's time to own your belovedness You own your past and how it's defined You own everything I think you can hear that story in one of the songs from your new album, Belovedness. Um, when you hear that song, it feels like God is really speaking to you as you listen, mm-hmm. that he sees who we are. And is it easy to share so much of yourself within your music so mm-hmm. authentically and so honestly, but also it makes you very, very vulnerable, I think, as well? Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't say it's easy, um, but I feel it's almost like a calling um, in some ways. That song is very deeply personal to me um, because of what I just shared. It's been a very intentional journey that I've been on. And I remember writing it. It, I wrote it with two other writers, um, Tony Wood and Michael Farron, both incredible writers. It just kind of fell out 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 of a conversation that we were having about this very topic. There's songs that 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 happens to when you're writing like it's it just comes easier than others and it just felt like one of those songs that was bigger than me um that god just kind of gave to us and it's not about necessarily about me it does minister to my heart and every time i sing it i feel like i learn something new but i believe that it is for the church and i i'm just so grateful um that it's out there in the world and that people can use it for their own prayer and own journey. And um, yes, it's a vulnerable thing, but it's worth it. It's worth it to be vulnerable um, so that other people can be led to the love of the Lord in their own life. And I think as women, we do struggle sometimes with our self-image really. And I've seen on one of your Instagram pictures as kind of a picture of you looking at yourself in the mirror and you're really challenging yourself to be who God wants you to be. And I think sometimes you do have to dig really deep. And I'm interested in in what you said. Do you think it's a journey that we have to continue to kind of press into God? Are we are you recovered from that now and it's in the past? Or is it is it something you have to keep working towards and working with? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's something that is a daily choice, moment by moment. Um, I think, especially for women, it's so easy for us when we see ourselves in the mirror to see all the ways that we're not enough, all the ways that we don't measure up to the world's standards or our peers' standards or whatever it might be. It's so easy to just see all the ways that you're, you know, 
imperfect and we are imperfect, but that doesn't mean that we're not good, that we're not made in his image, that we're not beloved um, and that there isn't beauty in us. And so I think it's, it really is a challenge of looking at yourself in the mirror and being willing to say, I, I am beloved to God and, and praying, honestly, praying every single one of us, every single day saying, God, show me who I am to you in my reflection, help me to see a glimpse, even just a glimpse of how you see me, because even just a glimpse is far greater and above anything that we could ever believe of our own volition, you know? And so I believe that that's a huge transforming prayer. Just that simple, just saying, God, show me a glimpse of how you see me. Um, every single day when we look in, in the mirror, rather than just waking up and, and just seeing, you know, seeing ourselves, but really just making that a prayer, making that a practice of prayer uh, is really beautiful to me. You talked about that first uh, intimate encounter with God at the, at the youth conference. Yeah. And has that impacted you in the kind of music that you want to create? Definitely. I... I, like I said earlier, um, it was like I was introduced to this new language that I had never heard before. And what I mean by that is it was this very, um, just like a personal language for how to communicate with God. And it wasn't about just the community. It was about you and Jesus. And um, a lot of times I just feel like that's my mission with my music is to help people to understand that God sees them, that God knows them, that God wants that personal relationship with each and every one of us, um, that he made us to uh, desire him and to move towards him in our lives. And so uh, that's definitely like every time that I sit down to write a song, it's never been about like I've had so many people ask me, why don't you try out for American Idol? Why don't you go and do secular music? Why don't you do this and that? And it's it's just that's that's not what I've ever felt called to. And I, I believe that there's some people who are in that space or operating that space who are believers and who are changing people's lives through doing secular music and kind of uh, touching a little bit on the Christian thing. But I believe that my calling is to lead worship, is to lead people in prayer, to um, have music that is specifically designed to create an environment through which people can encounter God's heart, whether that's in uh, their shower while they're listening to the music or whether that's in their car driving to work or um, when they're picking up their kids from school. Um, any little moment throughout the day, if my music can help someone to encounter God's heart, um, then that's a job well done. That's, that's the goal of my music for sure. When you are leading uh, conferences and events and you're leading worship on, like today, you're leading it with 300 people. Yeah. Do you still, are you still able to experience that intimacy with God when you're up on stage and everyone's looking at you? Like, tell me what it's like from the point of view of you looking at us, yeah. leading us. What's it like? Well, I don't think I've ever gotten over the nerves of that, like how nerve wracking it can be. Um, and like I said before, I, I used to ha like really struggle with stage fright. Um, but I feel like I've been set free from a lot of that uh, in recent years. But I think the biggest thing that I think about when I'm leading worship is that it's not about me. That's what I actually love about it is that I get to kind of disappear in a way um, in the sense that I'm just leading prayer. I'm, I'm praying to God 
and I'm inviting people to into that prayer with me. It's not about my name. It's not about my face. It's not about my songs necessarily. Even it's not, a, it's not about my voice. It's not about any of that. It's about glorifying God and helping to create an environment through which people can encounter his heart. And that's like my favorite thing is just being able to step out of the way. It's almost sometimes there's, there's literally been like an out of body experience that I experienced where it feels like there's just this voice coming out of me. And I'm just kind of like in the background in the best possible way. I just, I love that about leading worship is that I, I can't do it on my, like within my own strength, within my own talents. I, I can't do those things. Uh, it really is a partnership with God. And I love the surrender of that, the humility that that takes, um, the constant just having to put yourself consistently at the feet of Christ and know that it's not about you. So that's, that's why I love it, to be honest. I think that's incredible what you've shared about that almost out of body experience because I was wondering sometimes in those kind of very prayerful intimate places with God he sees our brokenness and I think I'd be frightened what happens if everyone else can see my brokenness what happens if I break down in prayer because you are creating that space and does that run is does fear come into it or are you covered with prayer by others so you know that everything will be okay how do you work that out um well we're human beings anyone who's a worship leader is a human being and is not perfect and has brokenness in our own lives and I think the more that we lean into that vulnerability um, and authenticity people people can feel that people can sense that when you're being authentic rather than um, trying to put on a show or trying to put on this facade that you're perfect and that everything's good. And the thing is, like, when I'm leading worship, I know that there's people in the room who are struggling with any number of things. We're all struggling at any point in time. And so the more that we can lean into that, the more that we can say, even as a worship leader, like, I'm broken. I'm struggling with this. I'm, I'm struggling even with believing these words that I'm singing. That's the beauty of worship to me is it's songs of remembrance. It's songs that remind us who we are and who God is, who we are in God, uh, which is something that we so easily forget. And there's times where I'm leading worship where I am struggling to believe the words that I'm singing, to be honest with you, but that's okay. And even saying that, even saying, I, I am struggling right now with these words, but I believe that singing truth over yourself sets you free. I believe that singing truth over yourself does something internally transforms us from the inside out and that God honors that, that even in our doubts, even in our questions, when we sing that truth, something happens. Um, that we're, we're led deeper into this authentic, beautiful relationship, messy relationship with God. He's not afraid of our mess. He's not afraid of our, our shame. He's not afraid of our questions. He just wants us to be who we are. Um, in front of him and so the more that we can do that as worship leaders in front of a crowd I just think the better. Sarah you've just shared about kind of pouring um, God's word over you in worship and singing out and sometimes it's hard to really sing it out but something happens tell me a little bit about the song a thousand thank yous is that covering everything that we're thankful for how are we offering things to God in that song? Yeah So that song was inspired by um, a verse out of Ephesians where it talks about the love of God that surpasses all understanding, this idea that God is far beyond anything that we could ever comprehend or hope or imagine or dream. Um, The God who made the universe, the God who made everything that we see in creation, that same God 
um, wants a relationship with us, wants to be involved in our lives, like we keep talking about, wants a personal relationship with us and wants to walk with us through it all. And um, that, that truth has this power to free us from all of our doubts, from all of our questions, and, and really should lead us to a place of gratitude, a, a place of thanksgiving, um, if we're really leaning into that idea that God is who he says he is and that we are who we, he says we are. Um, and so that's my prayer with that song. Every time I lead that song, it's just that it would lead us to a place of gratitude. I think gratitude is so healing, especially in this time. Um, in this time of social media, when we're just lost in comparison trap and uh, comparing our lives to other people's, um, that's a really dangerous game. And I've always loved the quote, comparison is the thief of joy. And I think that's so true. That comparison just robs us of our joy. Comparison leads us to a place where we um, don't feel like our life is good enough. The story that God's writing in our life is good enough. And that's not what he wants for us. It's not that's just not the truth. And so um, gratitude leads us back to recognizing that God is working in our lives, even when we can't see it, even when we don't perceive it. Um, and so that's really what that song is about, is just to give thanks. was Sarah Kroger talking to me, Rachel Matthews, here on Premier Christian Radio. You're listening to The Profile, and we'll be hearing more from Sarah right after this. More. 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 We often want more, but is it always a bad thing? Isn't wanting more knowledge a good thing? What about more understanding? More perspective. More wisdom. More action. More inclusion. Discover more of the good things at the brand new Premier Christianity magazine website. So much more than a monthly magazine, Premier Christianity website helps you go deeper in your faith and is full of inspiration of what God is doing in the world today. It's Premier Christianity, but so much more. Register today at premierchristianity.com. premierchristianity.com Today on the show, I'm speaking to Sarah Kroger. In part one, we heard about how Sarah found her confidence in Jesus and how he gave her a voice to sing and lead in worship. Now, in part two, we delve a little bit deeper into Sarah's background in the Catholic faith and how important that has been in shaping her music. Let's begin by hearing another song from Sarah's album, Light. This one's called No Fear in Love. When you talk about 
music you talk about it being a language to god yeah. and I'm, and it feels like it's like speaking in tongues somehow and i'm wondering is this a real gift from god to you because it's allowing you to be anywhere in the world leading worship and people understand what you're saying even though they might not speak the language that yeah. you're speaking have you found that Definitely, because the Holy Spirit is not confined to language. It's not confined to culture. It's not confined to cult, uh, countries. And I've seen that um, within my own church denomination, within the Catholic Church, when I've led at World Youth Day before um, and been there and experienced literally there's flags from every nation in the world. And we're all in, in prayer together and we all understand what's happening Um it is literally like life-changing to experience that and to reckon, I, I feel like so often it can be easy to get siloed and, and get in your own zone and think like, oh, I don't, I don't know that the church is really alive, like in my own little circle, you know, um, it can feel discouraging or, um, you know, at different times and throughout different seasons, but to see the church fully alive that's something that I feel like is such a gift for me um, is to be able to experience the church fully alive wh wherever I'm leading worship and to recognize like God is at work and Jesus is at work and the Holy Spirit is at work in the church. And um, yeah, so it's, it's definitely one of those things that's really humbling to experience and to recognize that uh, the Holy Spirit is bigger than any one of us and can transcend all all things, <laughs> for sure. And tell me a little bit about your, I wanted to say denomination, but that sounds such a big word for it. But I'm guessing your, your Catholic background, your Catholic heritage. Tell me about how important that is to you to be a Catholic. Mm. Um, so I've been a Catholic all my life, a cradle Catholic, born into it. Um, and like I said earlier, my parents are both involved in music ministry from the time I was young. And so we were always involved behind the scenes in ministry. We weren't just going to church. It was always, ministry has always been a part of my life. And um, it's just meant everything to me, honestly. And I think the biggest thing for me is uh, the Eucharist. I've had multiple times where I've had encounters with the Lord, real life like tangible encounters with the Lord in moments with the Eucharist, um, whether it's in mass or um, times of praise and worship with the Eucharist present, um, where I truly have been set free and healed uh, in the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And so um, it's really meant the world to me to be a part of this faith, to be a part of a faith that's been around since Jesus's time, since the, you know, uh, over 2000 years ago, and to be a part of something that's greater than me um, has been really special in my life and has meant a lot to me and my family. And tell me about your music and your write writing partners and people you've collaborated with. Have they always been Catholic? Yeah, so that has um, grown and shifted throughout the years. When I first started doing music, it was primarily in Catholic spaces and I was primarily writing songs um, to be used in liturgies and in the church. And that's grown and shifted over time as I've felt uh, God calling me to different things. And 
Um, when I first signed with Integrity, which is my label, uh, that was about a year and a half ago. And that was the first time that I really started writing outside of Catholic writers, uh, uh, outside of that kind of exclusive circle. And at first I was a little bit nervous about it, just curious how I was going to be received as a still practicing Catholic. And um, I was pleasantly surprised every single time. It led to beautiful conversations just about the church, how um, how diverse the church is, how a lot of us um, basically realize like we have more that that unites us than divides us. And I think that in the past that's that hasn't been made clear. It's been, you know, there's there's a lot of misunderstandings around the Catholic Church and what we believe and what we pray and all those things. And so there's been multiple opportunities where I've had to be able to talk about the fact that we believe in the same God, we believe in the same Holy Spirit uh, who operates in our lives and all of those types of things. Like there's there's a lot more that unites us. I, I really truly believe that each um, kind of section of the church has different pieces of the puzzle and, and God's intention was for us all to be united. And if we came to, you know, to unite, like unite the streams, like it would be the fullness of what God intended for the church on the earth. And so I love learning from Protestants and learning how um, even to lead worship, there's not a lot of worship, worship mentorship, to be honest, in the Catholic church. Um, and so it's been really beautiful to be able to just learn from different different streams of the church and learn what they do that works for them and to be able to share what works in our church and uh and and swap traditions and all that kind of stuff it's been really a beautiful process explain to me a little bit more about what you meant there when you said that you were fearful of how you may be perceived as a practicing catholic what what did you mean by that i uh i've just experienced in the past uh and maybe it's like in the South, in the United States, <laughs> where the Bible Belt is, um, I've experienced a lot of uh, animosity, to be honest. When I was growing up, I had a lot of um, Protestant friends who just didn't understand why I was Catholic, why I stayed Catholic, uh, had a lot of misconceptions about the church, that we worship Mary, which we don't, that we uh, worship saints, which we don't. We just ask for their prayers, like we would ask for anybody's prayers, like little misconceptions like that, that... Um, I just had a lot of animosity, like in high school and college and just dealt with a lot of Protestants who um, really struggled with me being Catholic. And uh, rather than seeing it as, oh, just another section of the church and we all have different pieces of the puzzle, like I was saying earlier, it was very much like, you should convert, you need to convert, (laughs) you don't need to be Catholic. Um, And so I've just struggled with that in the past. And I I know in the industry, in the past, it's been... um, Catholic has been a little bit taboo. Um, uh, and people like Matt Marr, who have made such um, strides in this space to be able to kind of build a bridge. Uh, and that's been beautiful to witness and watch. And I think without that, without Matt's witness of saying like, we're, we have more that unites us than divides us. I don't know that I would have been able to do what I do today, to be honest, um, without that. And so it, it definitely has become uh, more, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for, uh, not common, but it's, it's less uh, jarring when people uh, hear that you're a different denomination than they would have expected. Um, and I, I kind of love that, actually. I love that it's 
more accepted to just be who you are and uh, to be whatever denomination you are. Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely been a journey and, um, and something that I think I struggled with in the past in my own relationships. I think that's why I brought it into the industry, but they've showed me nothing but kindness. You described the album light that you've released with integrity records um the creating of that as eye-opening and was it eye-opening because of the people that you were interacting with or was it because it was a major labor what what changed for you in the making Mm. of that i would say it's multiple things um but on a personal side uh it was really a reflection of my journey so bloom was the record that i released before light And that was around the time when I had read that book, Life of the Beloved by Henry Nouwen, which I recommended to everybody. Everyone should read that book. Um, It's tiny, but it packs a punch. But that that record really captured, that's what I love about records is it captures this moment in time in your journey. And so for me, that was like this moment where I was really uh, rerouting myself in my identity as a beloved daughter of God. And you can hear that through the songs. You can hear that through just the themes and all of that kind of stuff on that record. And then light for me was this experience of what that feels like once you're rooted truly in that identity, rather than in the fears and in the lies, when you're rooted in that identity, you can live in the light of Christ with boldness, with, um, with joy and, and live and radiate the light of Christ around you. And so that's really why it was an eye-opening experience for me, because I, I realized within the course of doing light and being a part of a a label and all of those kinds of things that I was not living in freedom before this time. I really wasn't. I was enslaved by so many doubts and questions and fears and lies. And, um, and that was really weighing me down. And, um, and so light was this really freeing moment of just embracing who God made me to be. And that's why all the pictures, all the, um, all the images around it are bright and colorful and bold and kind of out there is because we did that with intention to, to really showcase this is what it's like to live in who you are in God, to really embrace that boldly and, um, and live in the world like that. And so that's what I hope this inspires people to recognize that, um, that recognize their belovedness and live out of that. I really truly believe that if people around the world understood that, that it would change everything. And tell me about the album itself. What is your favorite song from it, would you say? Oh gosh, it changes every week. Um, And the weird part about it is that I released it in the midst of COVID. And so uh, I haven't really gotten to play these songs out, which is the weirdest, the weirdest thing. So now as we've gotten to play these songs, um, as COVID is kind of, uh, dwindling, <laughs> hopefully, um, as we've, as shows have started to come back and all that. Um, I really love, uh, the song standing in your light and monument. Both of those songs are so fun to play and just the themes behind them. I just feel like I'm proclaiming them when I sing those songs. Um, but obviously belovedness is, is near and dear to my heart and always will be. And it, it just does something really special in a room whenever I sing it. Um, and again, I don't think that's because of me. I really believe that God is just using it to really heal people and set them free. And so I would say those songs, um, but I really love this album. If I'm allowed to say that, like, I really love the songs on this album. I really feel um, just that they're special and 
and maybe it's because it's the most recent record that I've done. I just feel like I'm most proud of this record out of all of the ones that I've released. And when you think about the type of music that you're making, it's very kind of, I would contemporary. That's what I'd probably say. Is worship within the Catholic Church is becoming more modern, do you think? Oh, definitely. Um, I would say ever since the charismatic movement, um, and I can't really quite remember when that was, to be honest, maybe 70s or 80s in the, in the Catholic Church, um, there's been a renewal of just a desire to know the Holy Spirit um, and and so there, it's still very new. I would say, I, like, I know every single one of the Catholic worship leaders that does contemporary music in the Catholic Church, um, at least on a, like, a, a public sphere, the ones who are traveling and, and doing that kind of thing. And so it's still very new, and it's kind of a small kind of group of people, but it's it's been widely um, just received and and desired and hungered for. And that's what I love about being Catholic, honestly, and doing this worship music is is that I get to be a part of introducing that language that we were talking about earlier to other people, that personal relationship with Jesus, that kind of language that some people who are in their 80s, you know, old old age, have never encountered that language before and have said to me, I never knew that this was a reality. I just came to church and just did the thing because it was what my parents taught me. And I never knew that I could have a personal relationship with Jesus. And it's not until those moments of like experiencing contemporary worship that they experience that. And so it's, it definitely feels like a part of my mission uh, with my music to be able to do that. So how long now have you been involved in the music industry? Yeah, it's been about um, 11 years that I've been uh, touring in different Catholic spaces primarily. And, and now with uh, signing with a label, it's, it's become a little bit different, but about 10 years. So I wondered, as you look forward now to the next 10 years, can you see it all where God might be leading you? Mm. That's a very good question. And I think after this year of COVID, um, I'm not really sure how to answer that because my uh, what God's been doing in my heart is uh, showing me that I am a control freak, <laughs> that I like to be in control. Um, and that I, for a long time, like the, the best way I know how to describe it is using an image of like, I, for the longest time felt like I was clutching on to life, like for any semblance of control, like white knuckled fists, but you can't receive anything new into hands like that. Like you can't receive anything. If someone were to throw a ball at me right now, I wouldn't be able to catch it. Um, and so I've realized that surrender and trust in God's will is the greatest thing that we could ever hope to do in this life. And that surrender isn't just like a one and done thing. It's a daily choice moment by moment. And every time we say yes is another little time that we open the hands. Um, and so I, I don't know where I'll be in 10 years. And after this year, I really, I really can't even predict. And I'm okay with that for the first time in my life. Um, this year wiped out every event that was on my calendar, wiped out every plan I had. And that was really hard. I had to grieve that for a while. Um, and I'm still reeling from that in some ways. I still feel like PTSD in a way when I'm at events. Like, is this going to is this gonna come back? Is it not? Are we safe? Are we not? Um, and I think that's going to be how it is for a while. But I also know that God knows what's next, that God knows what's ahead. And so I'm just going to continue to try to 
surrender to his will. And he's working behind the scenes in ways that I don't know and don't understand. And so I'm just continually trying to surrender that. So we'll see what God has in store for the next 10 years. So I hope that's not a cop-out answer. <laughs> I just want to continue to try to stand in the light. was Sarah Kroger speaking to me Rachel Matthews here on Premier Christian Radio. I do hope you enjoyed the interview. For hundreds of more conversations like this you can download the profile as a podcast. Just search for The Profile wherever you normally get your podcasts from or you can visit premierchristianradio.com forward slash the profile.